Blog Talk Radio. And welcome back to another edition of the Red Zone Report here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your co-host, Jovan Alford, and I will be joined shortly uh, by my by my other co-host, none other than Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com, but also of TotalSportsLive.com. He'll be joining us shortly to break down the uh, the XFL draft, which had which is which is finally over. It uh, took place over the last two days. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, there were over a thousand players selected to fill up the eight teams in this league. Seventy-three man rosters, and there were a lot of interesting um, players that were selected. There was also it also gave you a glimpse of the team building and the type of the, and type of the when you look at offense type of weapons that we put around the uh, eight uh, assign, assignment quarterbacks that were selected that were that were signed before that were signed before the uh, draft begun. And then there was just some interesting picks throughout the five phases. And then we also want to talk about the AFL and that there were a lot of AFL players who were, were that got, you know, invitations to the draft, but surprisingly were not drafted. That was interesting to both me and Harrison, who, you know, we also do the high motion podcast um, here on blogtalkradio.com. But before we jump into all of that, um, make sure, that, you know, if you missed this podcast or any of our other previous podcasts that we've done that includes the HM, the, the THMP, um, you can check it out here on blogtalkradio.com. Just go there and then backslash Total Sports Live. Or if you got an iPhone, just go to the podcast app uh, section on your phone, um, on your app, uh, excuse me, and then just search Total Sports Live. We really appreciate everybody uh, that checked us out. Um, on there. You know, subscribe, hit the subscribe button or leave us a review and rate. We really appreciate it. And again, we're also on Spotify as well. Um, on Spotify, just search on Spotify, just search uh, Total Sport, uh, Total Sports Live, uh, Total Sports Live PSL podcast. Hit the follow button over there. And again, we appreciate all the people that be checking it out through all the various different means that we have, thanks to the interwebs. But without further ado, um, let me bring on my co-host, none other than Harrison Brown of ArenaFan.com, but also of TotalSportsLive.com. Uh, Harrison, how are you doing today? We got a we got a windy. It's a windy Thursday, Thursday outside, feeling like fall, and we got the XFL draft out of the way. All I don't know how many rounds it was. Over a thousand players picked. We now have an idea of who's going to be playing where and how teams are going to match up on both sides of the ball. Yeah, what's good, bro? It was a lot of rounds. It was a, a two day event. It really was, and it was. You know, a few hours each time. It, w- it was a long event, and uh, the XFL did a good job just getting the names out, getting the players drafted in a timely manner. So excited about that! Yeah, the weather here—we're we're past the halfway mark in October. We're into that ten seventeen. <laughs> right. So you know, it, it's getting cold season. It's bring a jacket out to any football game you go to, and probably wear a hoodie wherever you go. So yeah, we're—I think we're getting to that cold stretch. I'm not looking forward to it. Not at all, not at all. And the XFL will be playing at the end of that cold stretch in February. But before we even get to the actual playing and who we're playing on the field, per se, we got to talk about the uh, eight assignment quarterbacks that were uh, selected uh, before the draft. And what's funny, uh, when the draft was happening on Tuesday, me and you were both surprised that the draft was started on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock because they never said (laughs) – when they were going to do it, what time they were going to do it. But in hindsight, it makes sense with all the players that were getting picked and all the selections, the earlier the better. And when folks woke up on Tuesday morning, they saw the eight quarterbacks that will be that will be essentially basically that you, you, have to, you have to think that in most of the situations that these are going to be starting quarterbacks for each team. Um, the Dallas Renegades take Landry Jones. There's no shock there with the Bob Stoops connection. Landry Jones played at Oklahoma under Stoops. Um, the St. Louis Battlehawks, they take Jordan Tamu out of uh, Ole Miss. 
the Houston Roughnecks, they go with Philip P.J. Walker, formerly of Temple. Uh, D.C., the Defenders, they go with Cardale Jones, um, the former Ohio State standout and who was with the uh, San Diego, uh, not San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, my bad, San Diego. Uh, Tampa Bay, <laughs> they go with Aaron Murray. It, it does happen. Tampa Bay goes to Aaron Murray, who played in the AAF with the Atlanta Legends. Uh, L.A., the Wildcats, they go with Luis Perez, which is a good, which is a nice sneaky move because we saw Perez progress with his time with the Rams at the undrafted free agent. There was there's talk, you know, can the Rams quietly stash him on the practice squad so nobody else doesn't take him? What would they have to do? He eventually moves on, plays in the AAF with the uh, Birmingham Iron, and from there, you know, latches on with the Eagles during uh, this past spring, but, you know, didn't make the uh, final roster. Uh, and then we had New York taking Matt McGloin, which was interesting, another former Philadelphia Eagle. If you listen to this podcast, you'll hear about a lot of former Philadelphia Eagles. Like, that's where we're at. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, the Seattle Dragons, Jim Zorn, takes Brandon Silvers um, out at Troy. So, Harrison, when we look at these group of eight quarterbacks, you know, it's a very solid group of quarterbacks. I would say more solid than what we saw in the AAF. Um which quarterback from this group of eight are you most excited to watch and see um, on the field um, in the next few months? I like this group a lot. I mean, I could argue probably like four or five guys that I'm, I'm really excited to see. I do. I love what Luis Perez did in the AAF, and I think he's going to have a very successful career out in L.A. with the Wildcats. Um, he, he's the type of guy, he's still young enough, he's got the arm strength, and he, he makes really good decisions. He'll probably be back in the NFL mm-hmm. camp sooner rather than later. So I am. I'm very excited to see him. But I think the name that surprised everyone and the name that kind of caught everyone's eyes was definitely Cardell Jones out of Ohio State. Right. Uh, it just wasn't a name that was on any of the draft lists. It wasn't really someone we were expecting. So to see him go to Washington, D.C. with some of the playmakers there have, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, but I think he's going to be very, very dangerous in this league. He was an efficient college quarterback. Um, over these past few days, there's been a lot of talk on social media about how maybe he should have came out a year early and been one of those first-round picks. Uh, Cardell has definitely defended his stance of getting the degree. It's bigger than football, so I can understand both sides. I can understand Cardell's side a lot because, hey, you need that degree. But at the same time, he was a first-round talent. But that really bodes well for the XFL and especially the Washington Defenders. I think he's going to be one of the most talented quarterbacks in this league. I think he's going to lead a good offense and that they could be very, very dangerous with Cardell Jones at the hem. Um, P.J. Walker, local guy, Temple guy, so we've seen a lot of him. Obviously, I'm very excited to see him just kind of from having watched him for so many years in college. felt like he was the starter there for like three years, three or four years. Um, yeah. So definitely, definitely a lot of love for P.J. Walker. It's going to be really exciting to see him be the starting quarterback. Um, in Indianapolis, he was kind of, you know, playing from behind a lot. They always had one or two guys that they liked for a while. It was Luck and Brissett, and, you know, that's going to be tough to break into. Then this year, Luck retires. Mm-hmm. You think, okay, maybe this is a shot for P.J. Walker. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, but he'll go join June Jones down in Houston, and that'll be, you know, a very exciting offense. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball downfield. Um, short passes yep. are going to be an extension of their running game. And they'll use P.J. Walker's legs. They'll use his mobility. They'll use his, you know, ability to escape the pocket. So I think P.J. Walker is going to have a lot of success with June Jones. I really like that combination. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be an adjustment at first. P.J. is going to have to learn that type of offense. It's going to be different than what he ran at Temple. But I think if he can get it going in it, he can really, really be efficient in it. Brandon Silver's uh, Seattle Dragons quarterback looked great in the AAF. He really did in relief of Johnny. Obviously, that week, everyone was looking for Johnny Manziel to be the starting quarterback, but Brandon Silvers came in and got the job done, won them that game. I, I like his game a lot. I went back and looked at some of his Troy highlights, and he was an efficient college quarterback who had a su- successful career at Troy, so I think that pick for Seattle is good. I'm excited about that Seattle team with Jim Zorn at the helm and some of the talent they got. I think Silvers is the right pick for them. Me and you kind of talked about Aaron Murray. Maybe him wanted to be more of an analyst than a quarterback. Uh, that could be very, very interesting to see what happens for Tampa Bay. They did draft Quentin Flowers, so they could put him back at quarterback if Murray doesn't come, and I'm sure they've got some other guys too. 
Um, and then just to wrap it up, uh, Landry Jones, that's going to be exciting to see him back with Bob Stoops, back with Ryan Broyles. That's like the uh, the old Oklahoma team. I don't know why they didn't pick fullback mm-hmm. Aaron Rupkowski out of Oklahoma, but that's uh, that's related right. to Landry Jones is the most experienced quarterback in this league by far. He was Pittsburgh's backup for a long time. He started a lot of games in Pittsburgh. So Landry Jones is going to be a good one too. It was a good quarterback class. You've got Connor Cook mixed in there. You've got some other guys we like mixed in there. So I'm definitely – I'm very pleased with the XFL's quarterback class. Oh, for sure. You definitely got to be pleased. And you mentioned um, you mentioned Cardell Jones, like you said, a guy that had immense talent and proved it. And I think the one thing that stood up about Cardell Jones when we watched him at Ohio State was he just had that big arm, and he could just get the ball down the field with ease like it was nothing. And, and, and shockingly, that did not translate so well to the NFL, and I don't know if you said the accuracy issue, but it just didn't translate well. But like you said, now he goes to a place in D.C., where the head coach is, I'm not mistaken, Pep Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's, it, I think he's the head coach. So he goes there, I think. He goes there, and like I said, the weapons that he got around, they're definitely going to be getting getting vertical a lot, getting vertical and spread out and fast. And I think that's going to work. Um, I think, like I agree with you, I think it's going to work well for him. And, it, and, and if people, I think I shared the story with you, too, about Cardell Jones, I want to say like a few weeks ago after I think the final cuts were made. And they, I think ESPN writer had started with was hypothesizing that the XFL could be a route for Cardell Jones because apparently um, the LA Wildcats and Norm Chow were lurking around Chargers uh, practice during that time to see who they could possibly, who they were looking at because you know that's the thing you know the XFL they're getting the guys that you know that just made practice squad or they just missed practice squad. So regardless for the DC, this is a big move for them. It's a good market employee for them as well. Too, if he if Cardell can come in and play and do a good job, and like you said, Philip Walker, proven winner. Um, his last couple seasons at Temple were just amazing. Um, he he just got better each and every season, and uh, helped led Temple to I think an AAC title um, in his one of one of his last two years over Navy. So he had a really impressive uh, collegiate career. Like I said, it's gonna be interesting how he works with that dynamic with June Jones because like you said, June Jones is a very uh, spread offense, you know, get vertical, get guys in space type of offense, throw the ball around. But I think Philip Walker can do it because we've seen what June Jones did in his brief time in the CFL with Jeremiah Masoli in the in the Hamilton Sidecast and getting him, you know, to throw the ball around and getting his playmakers involved, like the Brandon Brink, the Brandon Banks, and, you know, other guys, and et cetera. So, like you said, I think it's a solid quarterback class. And like I said, at some spots, you know, you look at, you know, maybe – a Tampa or a New York, and you say, all right, maybe if the backups play, maybe the backups could give a run for their money. And I know Harrison, I know one backup uh, that really caught you, that really I think you're, I know you're definitely interested to see how this competition plays out in New York between uh, Matt McGloin and also Marquise Williams out of North Carolina. Yeah, I went back and actually watched the Matt McGloin film because being a UNC fan, you know, I've seen some Marquise Williams through the years, but I hadn't really watched Matt McGloin that much, and I actually think he's going to be an all right quarterback in this league. Uh, I, I think he'll do okay. I think he could wind up being the starter. But, yeah, I'm a huge Marquise uh-huh. Williams fan. I, I think he deserved an NFL opportunity coming out of school, and I think that this could For be sure. one of his best opportunities yet to become a starting quarterback. I, I think it should be a competition between McGloin and Marquise Williams. I think Marquise Williams has definitely earned that respect to be in that competition, but I think it will be a truly a competition. I, I don't think either one of them will run away with it. Um, I would say that even if McGloin winds up being the starter, you can find ways to get Marquise Williams in the game in some packages and red zone situations. So I, I do think exactly. that will be an interesting quarterback competition. The other one that I think could be a competition, even though we were just typing them up, is P.J. Walker and Connor Cook out in Houston with yes. the Roughnecks. Um Connor Cook mm-hmm. being that second guy there, he's got a lot of experience as well. That's a very, very strong quarterback room. Uh, they could they could do some damage if they put Connor Cook in the game. And then P.J. Walker, same thing, though. You can you can make a lot of plays. You can win a lot of games with P.J. Walker. That's really two starting quarterbacks for the XFL in one team. Uh, that, that kind of is what happens when you only have eight teams. Some good quarterbacks are going to wind mm-hmm. up not being starters. There's more than eight good quarterbacks. In the league, so sure. they're going to have to go out there and compete. That'll be interesting to see. Um, Tampa Bay, I'm not sure who their backup is. I'm going to try to find that now. 
But Aaron Murray, if he winds up not playing, uh, it would be it would be a hit for them to have drafted him that early and then have him not play. It definitely would not help their team. It's a huge loss. That's the guy you wanted to start your team with, and now he won't be there. That could be tough. The second closest quarterback that they drafted after Murray would be Quentin Flowers in the fifth round. They listed mm-hmm. him as a running back. He could go back to quarterback if need be. Um but through 10 rounds, okay, Taylor Cornelius out of Oklahoma State was their um, quarterback they drafted in the ninth round. So, you know, you've got to go down a little bit to find your next quarterback. Um, he mm-hmm. only started one year at Oklahoma State, it says. Very good height yeah. and a good athlete, basketball background. I'm reading the XFL's little bio. So, you know, it would really hurt them to lose Aaron Murray. Obviously, Cornelius could be a good quarterback. I haven't seen him play yet, but. You know, Murray is the guy who's went to Georgia, been in the league, played in the AAF last year. So there's a few jobs. There's a few spots that could be open, uh, but that's good. You want some competition in camp. You want some competition at the most important position at quarterback. Um, I think uh-huh. the headliner guys like Cardell Jones and Landry Jones, I think they'll be good. But I think a little bit of competition in New York, Houston, and Tampa Bay should be a good thing. Definitely, for sure. And you know what, since we're talking about all that, Let's jump down and talk about the phase one portion of the draft and give our guys who we thought that stood out. People don't remember the phase one part of the draft came right after the quarterback assignment. And those guys basically were the skill position. So this is a chance for, and I like how the XFL did this. This is a chance now to help out your quarterback and getting him some skill, some skill, uh, some skill guys at, at wide receiver running back you know, give him some weapons to work with and see what he can do, Harrison. And, you know, I listed four guys since they're 18. I listed four guys that stood out to me from phase one. Um, who stood out from you from phase one that, you know, that, that got selected to a certain team? Phase one was probably the most exciting part of the draft. It was a Agreed. lot of fun to see. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to see a lot of skill guys that we've watched for a while get drafted. There's a lot of guys that I can mm-hmm. say really caught my eye. Um, I'll start with the first pick in the draft for Stark Davis. He was a playmaker yeah. at JMU. He's a guy who can win vertically. He runs good routes. He can get some stuff going on quick games and screens. And he's got Cardell Jones as his quarterback. So when you can win vertically, when you have blazing speed with Cardell Jones as your quarterback who can throw the ball over those mountains, it's a good combination. You can make something work there. Um, I, I like what the D.C. defenders did with their draft class. Overall, Trey McBride was a really good receiver at William & Mary. He's kind of the counter-opposite of Rashard Davis. He's kind of that big body guy, so that's nice for them to have. Jarrell Presley was a really, really good running back at New Mexico. He was drafted in the third round. They wound up drafting Denell Pumphrey, former Philadelphia Eagles running back, as Jovan mentioned. We're going to be mentioning the Eagles a lot. Uh, <laughs> former fourth-round pick by the Eagles a few years ago. Now he's a seventh-round pick in the XFL. I know that. Was not a, a thing that Eagles Twitter was happy about yesterday, but you put Pumphrey in there with Darrell Presley. I mean, those are two good running backs. Those are two running backs mm-hmm. who are established in there with Cardell Jones. So I like what they did a lot. I like the team that the D.C. defenders have. And then late in the draft, they drafted your guy Tyree Jackson, standing in at six foot seven. Another big arm quarterback. Guy. Right, that's a great quarterback to have back up Cardell. Moving on to Houston, they picked Connor Cook with their first pick. Uh, that definitely is a little nerve-wracking for P.J. Walker. It seems like that's going to be a competition. You wouldn't use that second mm-hmm. pick, um, you know, the first pick in the skill players draft, but the second overall pick to, to go get a quarterback if you weren't thinking about maybe starting him. So that looks like it's going to be a competition. Right. Sammy Coates was a really good receiver at Auburn. That should be interesting mm-hmm. to see. Um, Jalen Sanders was a good receiver for a while in the CFL. Good to see him come back to the States and plan. Uh, I like the team Houston have. June Jones is going to make some plays happen down there. Um, Mikhail McKay was really, really good in the AAF. Really, really good for San Antonio in the AAF. So he goes to the New York Guardians with Matt McGloin and Marquise Williams. That should be a good matchup. Uh, EJ Bibbs, a tight end out of Iowa State, I really like. They got him later in the draft. Uh, I think he'll be a very, very good tight end in this league. He is more of a pass catcher, not as much as a blocker. But if they're going with, you know, a little bit more of spread tendencies than, uh, than the AAF did, the AAF was very pro-style. 
If they try to go a little bit more spread, I think EJ Bibbs will be very good. If they move it back in line to blocking tight ends, I'm not sure. Every tight end has to be able to do a little bit of both. Bibbs isn't the strongest right. blocker, so they can find some ways to help him out. Um, Nick Truesdale. How about Nick Truesdale, former Arena Football League player mm-hmm. going in the first round of the draft with the fifth pick? That was exciting. He His game has very much so evolved from the last time we saw him indoors with the Portland Steel. He's a new player now. He's a tight end. He's transitioned fully over to tight end. He's put on some weight, put on some muscle, put on some ability to block. His blocking has gotten much, much better over the years. Um, He started Mm -hmm. his tight end journey with the Minnesota Vikings in an NFL camp, so he kind of got thrown into the fire there, didn't make the team. But last year in the AAF, I wound up going back and watching some of his films. He was one of the best tight ends in that league. He was making plays. He was making a lot of blocks. And he also still has that receiver ability where he can make you miss once he has the ball. So Nick Trudeau going that early, it might have surprised some, but I think it's actually the right pick. I think that was a really, really good pick for the Vipers. I think he was the best tight end in this draft class. I think he could be very, very dangerous in the XFL. And that's crazy to say because he only started playing the tight end position three years ago. But Nick Trudeau, Tampa Bay Vipers fifth pick, I'm very, very excited to see what he does. Sticking with them, Quentin Mm -hmm. Flowers. um, I think I talked about him. Or no, I didn't because he wasn't on the draft class. Um, But uh, he was great at USF. One of the best quarterbacks in college football that year. Dynamic. He can get it done with his legs just as much as he can get it done with his arm. But I feel like some people have forgotten that Quentin Flowers was a good passing quarterback in college too. Um, His numbers were all pretty good. I don't think his completion percentage was low. And I know he had more touchdowns than interceptions. He's listed as a running back in the XFL, but if Aaron Murray doesn't play, he could quickly go back to quarterback. So that versatility is going to be huge for the Vipers. Um, I I did. I loved this draft. Uh, I think everybody did a really good job. I think there's a lot, a lot of talented, talented skilled players in this. I could keep going on, but I want to pass it back to you, Jovan, and hear some of the guys that you like. So, yeah, so pretty much harping off what you said, D.C., like you said, I thought D.C. did a great job just surrounding Cardell with skilled players, and I think that's probably going to be one of the more exciting offenses to watch outside of, you know, what June Jones and what Bob Stoops uh, does just because of the name. I think because of the name factor, too, with D.C., there's a lot of names that we're familiar with. And like you mentioned, Donnell Pumphrey, a guy who who was the leading rusher in, 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 in college football. Over four years, over 6,000 rushing yards. Has not, his game has not translated to the NFL for whatever reason. Um, could be due, is mostly good because of him just meet, of not staying healthy. And it's hard, you know, while you 600, while 6,000, you know this, Harrison, while 6,000 yards in college is easy, you know. Well, not easy, but, you know, when you do that number, you expect that to translate. And for a guy his size running in between the tackles, that's just not him at this point in his career, and also staying healthy as well. That's also been a bugaboo for him. So now he goes to a, a team in D.C. where, like I said, they have a Jarrell Presley, and now, you know, you have a nice combination right there. Maybe you get Donnell Pumphrey out in the passing game, some out in the passing game too with a Presley in the back. So, so you got, like I said, Donnell Pumphrey. Another guy that, you know, stood out to me, um, and they, he was drafted in round two, was Rashad Ross. Of the uh, LA of the LA Wildcats, Ross is a veteran. He's played. He's played in the NFL. Um, what I think was picked up like after the AAF season was over. I'm not mistaken. I think it picked up by the so. Panthers, I believe. And this is a guy who you know is a little bit older, but I believe you know he's a he's a speed. He's a he's a he's a, he's a speedy deep threat guy. This was a guy in the AAF who really caught my eye and caught my attention. I remember. When I was at the Metro, I was writing a story, you know, on three players who said he would possibly be interested in. He was one of the people that I thought was that was very interesting because of the need of the deep threat and get vertical. And this is the guy that got vertical in a hot shot offense, you know, with John Walford, you know, at quarterback. Now, just imagine what he does with Luis Perez um, at quarterback and also having an offensive mind like Norm Chow uh, with, him as, and with them as well. So I really like his game. If you don't remember in AAF, he had 36 receptions for 583 yards and seven TDs can't beat that. <laughs> you can't beat that with a vertical threat. Uh, another guy that stood out to me was selected in round nine of phase one was the tight end uh, D- Donald Parham, which is going to be in Dallas. It's going to be interesting to see how Stoops uh, uses him. This is a guy who, you know, just, just he has all the size and physical means, you know, to be a monster. 
was in was in training camp, made the team. Was in training camp, UDFA with Washington was just recently cut last month. This is a guy that's six for eight. Like he's a mismatch problem for a linebacker. For him, is just you know probably for him is just putting things together. I think his last season at Stetson, he had over one. He had like over eighty catches for like one thousand three hundred fifteen yards and like. 13 or like 13 to 15 total total, total touchdowns. Like, dude's a beast, and you know, a lot of draft Twitter was very in love with him because it's rare, Harrison, as you know, to see a tight end at six foot eight. Like, it's, it's yeah. rare to see that. Um, I went on his NFL draft.com, NFL.com draft profile. One guy they com- compared him to was Darren Waller, and it's funny that they did because we've seen how much of a beast Darren Waller has become. Um, within Oakland, just on the contract extension uh, on Wednesday, and he's a guy that converted from wide receiver at Georgia Tech to become a standout tight end. So, if his ceiling is Darren Waller, then maybe there is a chance for Parham to not only be a star in the A in the, in the XFL, excuse me, but to then take that what and take those refined tools and become a playmaker in the NFL. Because it's, when you got six foot eight tight end, you just if you're the quarterback, you just got to put it out there and just and just let them go get it. Um, and last but not least, a guy that we'll talk about later in the show when we talk about the AFL portion, Malachi Jones. Um, I think, you know, this is he was picked in the tenth round of the uh, of phase one. This is a guy that I believe, you know, he we saw what he's done in the AF in the uh in the AFL in his two seasons, you know, just an absolute stud playmaker. He's got the hands, he's got the speed, he's got the size. Um he's he he played good in the AAF. Um, with the um, with the Atlanta Legends, uh, had a couple of had a, had a couple of NFL T with the uh, Chicago Bears last summer. Didn't really work out for him, but now he's getting his chance back out outdoors um, with Seattle. And I believe he could possibly be a starter out there. You know, next to the likes of Keenan Reynolds, uh, former Navy quarterback that turned wide receiver, and Casey Williams, the former Washington Huskies uh, wide receiver, stand, uh, former Husk, Washington Huskies. Uh, standout. So those are just some. Those are just some of my guys that stood out to me from uh, from phase one. And, and there's so many. You know, like we could keep doing this for hours. Mm-hmm. And oh, we're gonna try real. to do it for the next half <laughs> hour, but we also want to talk about these other four draft classes. But we could really just make this a phase one because I mean, there's there's so many good skill players in the XFL. I would argue that there's more good skill players in the XFL than there was in the AAF. Um, even though there is a lot of correlation. There's a lot of correlation between the two leagues. The XFL definitely kind of piggybacked off what the AAF did. They used some of their they used some of their scouting. They looked over at their cheat sheet, and they picked up a lot mm-hmm. of good players. You know, I mean, it, it, these guys have the most recent film from a league that, I mean, the AAF and the XFL, we're assuming, are going to be similar talent-wise. So it makes sense. It makes sense that they would go out there and do that. But, yeah, like you said, I'm very excited that Malachi Jones went to Seattle being an AFL fan. Uh, that's going to be very fun to see. But looking at the rest of their roster, Keenan Reynolds, the former Navy quarterback, you just mentioned him. He had been starting to get some looks with Seattle as one of their top slot wide receivers. Didn't make it this year. Now he gets to stay in Seattle with the Dragons. Um, that's going to be exciting to see him in a full-time receiver role. We haven't really seen that yet. So that's going to be great to see. L.A., Elijah Hood, another North Carolina Tar Heel, he was the power back to T.J. Logan's um, speed back, elusive back. So Elijah Hood is, is getting his opportunity to be a full-time running back. He had bounced around a bunch of NFL camps, got drafted by the Raiders, didn't stick there, went to the Panthers, uh, bounced a few other places, and now he's a first-round pick to the L.A. Wildcats. Nelson Spruce was a hard-knocks guy in 2016, 2017, with the L.A. Rams, a guy who was pretty popular on hard-knocks, slot-wide receiver out of Colorado. Didn't make the team, hasn't really caught on anywhere. This will be a great opportunity for him, like we've kind of mentioned a few other times, um, to be a full-time guy, to be the number one receiver in offense, to be the starting slot wide receiver. So that's going to be exciting for Spruce and basically everybody we've mentioned so far. It's tough in the NFL. You can get a, you know, you can get some practice reps, you can get some training camp preseason looks, but at the end of the day, if you're not getting those game reps, it, it's hard to continuously improve your game and be ready for new opportunities, especially at the quarterback position. So for those eight quarterbacks and all the backups, this league is great. But for all these skill players as well, it's great to get these game reps. So super excited, super excited about the XFL. 
Definitely, definitely excited. And you know what? Like you said, we got we got to talk about the other phases in this draft. But before we do, this is the Red Zone Report. I'm Joe Van Alfred with Harrison Brown as we're breaking down the, the inaugural XFL uh, draft. And, and let's move on to phase two and three, which was basically the offensive line and def- in the defensive front seven. I'm not so much, and I'll admit it, I'm not so much familiar with a lot of the guys on the offensive line, the offense, on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to the line. I got some guys for phase, for phase three, however, but I know Harrison was uh, – I know Harrison had some thoughts on a lot on, on a few guys that were uh, selected in phase two that we did speak about in our XFL draft preview on Monday night. Phase two is probably the most important part of the draft. Um, you can't win without for a good real. offensive line. Your quarterback will get hit. They might have been, you know, no offense to them, the least exciting. We might not have known all the names. It might have been some first-round picks <laughs> that we had to go back and check out. But it, it's really important. It's where the game is going to be won and lost. I like that they still did 10 rounds of it, even though there's only five starting mm-hmm. offensive linemen. I like that they filled it out. You've got a whole group of backups now on your team along the offensive line, so I think that's a positive. I'll just start out with, what we know, arena football, Jordan McRae, former first-team All-Arena guy in 2018 with the Baltimore Brigade, also spent some time with the Orlando Predators and Cleveland Gladiators. Um, Tampa Bay Vipers have Ron Seleski on there. I don't believe he's on the coaching staff. He's in their football operations department. But they did take two former arena football players in the first round. They were also AAF guys, but between Truesdale and Jordan McRae, they drafted two former arena football players. So it's good to see, hopefully – you know, you, you think that Celeste would have something to do with that. For McRae, he was the best center in the AAF last year with the Orlando Apollos, according to Pro Football Focus. He's played guard in his career. He's played guard in the NFL. He was most recently with the Chicago Bears in training camp. I like McRae's game a lot. Mm-hmm. He gets to stay at home in the state of Florida. He's a UCF graduate. His brother, Justin, is currently on the Cleveland Browns right now. He started for Green Bay for a while, protected for Aaron Rodgers. So the McRae family is a very, very good offensive line. It's who you want on your interior offensive line. And McRae is going to be the Vipers' headline offensive lineman. He's projected to play center. He can play guard. I don't. I wouldn't slide him out to tackle. He's an interior guy. But McRae was a very good pick. I went back and looked at the first pick in the draft, the first pick in the offensive line draft. I went back and looked at Storm Norton for the L.A. Wildcats. He's a big tackle. He played at Toledo when Logan Woodside was their quarterback, so they had some success during that era. He did a good job keeping Woodside upright. Woodside was not a guy who got sacked much. His mobility did help with that, but the L.A. Wildcats liked Storm Norton enough to take him in the first round. I think Norton's going to be a good tackle. Anybody who's the first pick in an offensive line draft, you're assuming that they can pass block and they can run block. So uh, I think Norton will do a good job out there. With the second pick, they drafted Fred Luina, a guy that we saw a little bit of with the Soul. He played center for the Soul. They have him listed as a guard. Uh, I don't think a move back to guard would hurt him. I think he would do well there. He looked good for the Soul. He had some minor adjustments to the arena game. It's a little bit different than outside. Um, you, at both times when you're a center, you have to snap and get your hands up quick. But it almost feels like there's an added pressure on the center in the arena because you have to time up the motion. You have to make sure – that's mm-hmm. on the track. Your quarterback's doing his cadence, and you still got to get your hands on that nose guard who's always head up on you. Um, outside, you might get a defensive lineman who shades off of you for, like, an entire game. Sometimes teams head up. But you might have a shade. You might have guard help. Indoors, you have no help, and they're head up on you. So, Luina had some growing pains. He had some adjustments to do. But I think getting back outside will be really good for him. Um, Adam Bistanaway was a, a late draft pick by, I believe, Dallas. Yeah, by Dallas. He was taken in the seventh round. He was a former NFL draft pick to the New York Giants. He was a guy they had a lot of hype about to be potentially one of their right tackles. Um, he was in, I believe, a training camp competition his rookie year that he just didn't win. He was a good player at Pittsburgh, did a good job protecting there. He's a taller guy, so uh, I think that'll do well for the Dallas Renegades. I think that was a great late pick in the seventh round. Um John Kling, drafted by the New York Guardians. He is another mm-hmm. really, really tall guy standing in at six foot eight. He was in camp with the Philadelphia Soul, so I've, I've seen him in person a little bit. Um, but just going back and looking at some film, he's really powerful. 
taller offensive linemen sometimes can lose to the speed move. Uh, you can get outran, but Kling does a pretty good job of getting back there and meeting up with guys. And uh, when you're six foot eight, once you get your hands on a defensive lineman, as long as your quarterback's not holding the ball too long, you can usually get it out. So I like the offensive right. line draft a lot. This is another position where I think the XFL does a good job of getting talent, mm-hmm. credit to the eight coaching staff and personnel groups. Um, I think it's going to be very strong. I think the protection in the league will be good. We're going to touch on the defensive line in a little bit, and we'll talk about why the protection might not be so good. But uh, it was a good draft. There's a lot of good names in here, a lot of names who have been in NFL camps recently. So the XFL offensive line looks strong. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, I don't have an offensive lineman, so I'm just going to jump into three, phase three, phase three and four. Um, I'm only going to give my two names for phase three that for that stood out to me on defense. Um, number uh, one guy was for DC Elijah Qualls, defensive tackle, drafted round three. If that name sounds familiar, he was a former draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles, 2017 <laughs> sixth round pick. Uh, Elijah Qualls, and he, I think he stuck around with the team for a little while. Was part of the defensive rotation. Um, his rookie season on and played a played a played a played a role in the in, in the team's you know run to the Super Bowl that season. Um, now we'll get to see what he does in deep in uh in, in DC with the defenders and then uh, linebacker uh, Terrence Garvin. This was a guy that I remember he's gonna be uh, he was drafted in the second round um, by the St. Louis Battlehawks. This was a guy that I remember from the AAF and just how he went. He just popped off the screen. After uh, as the linebacker had, uh, I think one game where he had like a pick six or something for for a, a pick six, I believe in like week two or something like that. This is a guy that was just all over the field, a tackling machine. So it's nice to see him uh, get picked up nice and early um, in the uh, in in the XFL draft. So those are my two guys for phase three. Uh, what about you, Harrison? Who did you uh, who caught your eye from the uh, phase three portion of the XFL draft? Uh, Elijah Quaz is a good name. I hadn't even realized that he was on there, but I do remember him getting in that rotation with the Eagles on their defensive tackle front with Fletcher Cox and the likes of all those guys. So that was a good pick by them. Sticking with D.C., Scooby Wright was probably the best college football linebacker um, of his time. Oh, yeah. He was one of the top guys of this generation down in Arizona. Mm-hmm. He led the nation in tackles. He won some awards. The pro game just has not really translated well for Scooby. It just hasn't worked out. He was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the seventh round. Just never took. He's been in a few different camps, probably been on a few different rosters, contributing on special teams. Just hasn't took yet. But last year he was in the AAF with the Arizona Hotshot, so back in his college town. Um, I believe he was a starter there. I believe he played a lot there. And now he's getting another opportunity in Washington, D.C., he was picked in the fourth round. They picked James Waters in the first round, but it's expected Scooby will on the field. I love Jameer Thurman um, out of Indiana State. I talked about him on our preview podcast. He was very, very successful mm-hmm. in the CFL. He won a great cup with, uh, what team? Calgary St. Peters. Sorry, my CFL knowledge. You can only know so many football leagues. I don't know much about the CFL. <laughs> um, but I do. I like Jameer Thurman's game a lot. He was a very, very productive part of their defense. He got a lot of tackles that year, um, and now he's transitioning back to American football. He doesn't have to be out there dealing with motions anymore. The three downs, he's back on the four-down field. Um, I like his game a lot. I think he's going to translate well. He was with the Chicago Bears this preseason, didn't make the roster. Now he's transitioning to the XFL. Um, ben Heaney, first-round pick by the New York Guardians, uh, was a very, very productive linebacker at Kansas. He had a lot of tackles. He wound up going to the NFL and playing some for the Oakland Raiders. He was drafted by them, and initially he was in their rotation. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. He wound up getting hurt, released. Same thing in Houston. He's in the rotation, hurt, released. So if he can stay healthy, I think Ben Heaney will be very, very productive for the New York Guardians. Linebacker is obviously an extremely, extremely important position. Um, it can It's the captain of the defense. He's going to go out there and make all the calls. Uh, looking at another linebacker, Greer Martin out of Notre Dame, drafted by the Dallas Renegades. He was in the AAF with Salt Lake City. Very, very good player at Notre Dame. Hoping he can translate that into Bob Stoops' defense. Obam Guachi out of Oregon State was an early, early pick by the Tampa Bay Vipers. He's a good DN. He's a speed rusher DN. He beats guys with his finesse move. Uh, I like that pick for the first round. And then in the fifth round, 
They went with Josh Banks, a defensive tackle. Out of Wake Forest, he was a guy who was a really good pass rusher in college at Wake Forest, had like eight sacks. So I, I like the D-line draft as well. Like we've kind of touched on, the talent overall across the board is looking pretty strong. It's looking similar to the AAF-CFL range. Um, you know, it's a second tier. It's not like we're getting practice squad guys or guys, you know, just out of the league, but there's a few examples of it. So um, it, it should be good up front. I think the offensive line is probably stronger than the defensive line class, but that could get broken uh-huh. out by a couple of these late-round draft picks. Um, a lot of times in these leagues, like last year, Cameron Kelly wasn't really a talked-about guy in the AAF. He winds up starting for the San Diego Fleet, and now he's starting on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot of times in these drafts, you know, coaches pick who they want, but guys slip through the cracks, slip to the back of the draft, and they wind up being really, really good players. So we could see some sleepers come out and be big-time players in the XFL. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know what? It's interesting you mentioned that because, um, like you said, in football, it don't matter what level you play in, it's all about, you know, no matter what level you play, you got to be able to build both your – it starts in the trenches. you got to be able to build your offensive line and defensive line and your front seven. you got to be able to build those. If you don't have solid, quality players that fit your scheme, you're going to be in trouble. Again, it don't matter what level of what level you play in, you got to have quality players at each, at each spot. Um, so that being said, let's uh, we got about about good old twenty minutes left here on the show. We'll wrap up um, our breakdown portion with rounds with uh, phases four and five. Phase four was DBs. Phase five was just everybody. It was all four. It was all four uh, phases combined all into one. So phase four, a couple guys that stood out to me uh, was uh, Josh Hawkins, the cornerback, selected by the Dallas Renegades in round five. Why did he stand out to me? He was a former Philadelphia Eagles. He was actually just in camp with the Eagles uh, this summer. Um, and he also, if I'm not mistaken, he actually play, he actually start he actually played in the Eagles playoff game against the New Orleans Saints, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. He did because I think they uh, think he came into the game and they like immediately attacked him on like a on like a touchdown pass. So yeah, sorry to mention that, but uh, yeah. So Josh Hawkins, that's another guy that said to me, a guy that has a lot of NFL experience. Um, he's a guy from East Carolina. Then another guy, local product, um, who stood out to me was Nadir Rouse, who um, drafted in round nine uh, by the New York uh, Guardians. Um, was just in uh, training camp with uh, as an undrafted free agent with the um, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, went to Westchester. Um, and folks in Philadelphia, he played a high school ball at a Simon Grax uh, University. Anybody for you that stood out from Phase Four? And yes, your thoughts on Phase uh, Four, Harrison? The the first pick, Deron Smith by the Dallas Renegades, is a really good pick. He was a guy with a lot mm-hmm. of expectations with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was a late round draft pick. They had hoped that he could come in and learn a little bit and wind up being one of their starters. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But he's a guy with good ball skills. And he also is a strong tackler. He's not one of those safeties who can only cover but can't tackle. He's got a little bit of both in the game, so I like that pick with the first pick. Just moving down one pick, Jamar Summers, number two to the New York Guardians. I think those two picks are very, very strong. Jamar Summers was probably the best cornerback in the draft class. I would agree with that assessment by the New York Guardians. He balled Mm -hmm. out in the AAF. He was so good in the AAF. It felt like every week he was either getting an interception or a huge pass breakup, or shutting someone down. Uh, He wound up getting some NFL camp opportunities with the likes of Detroit Lions. It didn't work out. He wound up not making the roster. Was hoping that he could be one of those guys who snuck in from the AAF to the NFL as a starter, but excited, excited Uh to see him on our quote-unquote hometown team, (laughs) the New York Guardians. Uh, (laughs) he's, uh, He's a New Jersey native. He's from East Orange, New Jersey. So playing in East Rutherford is definitely going to be nice for him, uh, get the family to come out to the game. He went to UConn, so UConn, New York, not that far. Get some college friends to come down. I like what Jamar Summers did in the AAF. I think he's going to translate it very well to the XFL. Like I said, uh-huh. it's a similar level of talent. So the top corner of the AAF, I'm betting on him to be one of the top corners in this league. 
Moving down a little bit in the first round, I love the draft pick by Los Angeles by Jack Toko. Toko is a guy who played corner mm-hmm. in college in North Carolina State. Um, he was a press corner in college. They ran a lot of man-to-man, put Toko on an island a lot, and he, he held his own. He was a good player in college. He wound up not getting drafted. He's an undrafted free agent. Starts out as a corner, but progressively, like we see a lot, like the next guy I'm going to talk about as well, actually the next two guys I'm going to talk about have had this happen, um, young cornerbacks just wind up moving to safety. So Jack Toko is one of those guys. He was on that same defense as Jamar Summers, the Birmingham defense, and he looked great at safety last year. He made a lot of big tackles, made some big plays in coverage uh-huh. as well. And I love his versatility to be able to shift between cornerback and safety. Um, they probably project him as a safety, but, hey, if they run into some problems at cornerback, it's good to have a guy who can swing down uh, to corner from the safety position. Another guy just like that on the same defense around seven pick, Harlan Miller, started out as a cornerback, wound up moving to safety while he was with the Arizona Cardinals. He was a draft pick. He was a guy they had a lot of excitement about. He wound up having to start after being on the practice squad for a while at safety a few years back when he was still on their roster. And he got an interception in his first game. He came up with an interception at safety. Unfortunately, the next training camp, they added in some pieces. Uh, he didn't make the team. He's bounced around a little bit. This will be his first opportunity in a league like this. He wasn't an AAF guy, but I'm excited to see Harlan Miller in this. And then uh, I'll touch on it. I know we do have our, our AFL topic where we'll talk about all these guys, but I'm super excited that Joe Powell got picked. I was starting to get a little worried. I was like, what are these teams waiting on with Joe Powell? Uh, that fall really made <laughs> sense to me. I thought, he would, I thought he would be an early guy for sure. Um, he's got film everywhere. Right. He's got film at cornerback in the AFL. He's a field side corner. He's one of the best in the league. He had eight interceptions this year. He just won behind James Romaine. He was a great safety in the AAF. He is a very strong tackler. He can come up and fill the hole. There's a lot of highlights of him. One of his big play highlights was a huge hit, and that kind of got his name out there in the AAF. He also made some big plays in coverage. He deflected a Johnny Manziel pass late in the game in Manziel's first start. He's constantly proven that he can cover in the AFL, and you add in his kick return ability. I was definitely surprised that he fell, but I'm very excited that St. Louis got him later in the draft. Another guy, same as Harlan Miller and Jack Toko, he's got that safety or cornerback ability. If they run into a position where they need some quarterbacks, they can move Joe Powell to the corner position, and he can go lock up on a receiver. So uh, another good draft class. I like the DBs a lot. There's a lot of talent there. Yeah, for sure. A lot of great talent at DB. And like you said, again, like we've seen throughout this draft, all, all these draft phases, a lot of notable names that we remember from either from the days of the NFL, days in, in Arena Football League, or um, in college, or in college football, especially a lot of small schools. I think that's under the AF, the, the XFL, excuse me, really touted about the number of small school guys that they have that were drafted that are on these rosters. And that just shows you, again, the same thing that we say about the NFL draft every year, that it doesn't matter where you – it don't matter where you play at. You can play, they will find you. It doesn't matter where you play in D1 or D2 or FCS, they'll always find you. And um, last but not least, before we jump into the AFL's portion, is phase five standouts. Again, these are just everybody. It's all the phases just compiled in one. Uh, For me – uh, D.C., picking up another former Eagle, Trey Sullivan. Uh, this was a guy who was a UDFA with the Eagles, uh, saw playing time down the stretch the last season, actually started in a playoff game uh, for the Eagles. Was Again, one of those rookies like Elijah Qual that, uh, that that helped them. That was on, I think he was on the practice squad uh, with the Eagles during their Super Bowl run. Um, and he was apparently, and this is interesting, last playoffs, last year's playoffs, he was PS Pro Football Focus actually graded him the highest safety in the postseason. Uh, he had a rating of uh, 70. He had a grade of 76, which was higher than Patrick Chunk, who had 75.4, higher than Devin McCourty, 70.6, higher than Derwin James and Malcolm Jenkins, both who had 69 uh, grades, 69 overall grades, uh, according to PFF, which is a uh, which can go either way for Eagles fans. We all know Eagles fans, how they feel about pro football focus. Uh, but <laughs> But uh, other than that, um, this was a guy, again, he was on the team. He actually was with the team in the summer for training camp, but didn't make the, didn't make the squad because he just, he just was struggling. But, you now he gets a fresh start in D.C. It would be interesting to see what he can do 
with some, again, another guy with NFL experience under his belt and see how the learning curve is for him. Um, another guy, L.A., uh, Taron Christian. This is a guy who was a playmaker, a mobile, mobile quarterback, um, a record breaker at, uh, at South Dakota State, which is also where Dallas Goddard played at. This guy, uh, Taron Christian, was with the Cowboys in training camp. Actually lasted with him for a while up to the final cut. Uh, he finished as a finalist for Walter Payton Award in three consecutive years. That's pretty good. And holds multiple passing uh, passing records at South Dakota State for the Jackrabbits. So I'm interested to see how that quarterback room develops between him and Luis Perez. I'm not mistaken, Christian actually was was actually signed to the Steelers practice squad a few weeks ago when they played Lamar Jackson. So he, you know how the scout team is. So they, so he can emulate what. Lamar Jackson does, but he has the talent. I know this is a guy that Emory is already playbook. Emory Hunt, the guy that Emory has been talking about a lot. And the last but not least, another former Eagle player who got drafted by the uh, Dallas Renegades, C.J. Smith. He was a cornerback with the Eagles, spent some time with them. Actually came in the same year that Carson went. Uh, came to Eagles 2016, both from North Dakota State uh, University. Harrison, anybody from Space 5 stand out before we uh, wrap up? With um, a lot of with guys, AFL talk five. real quick. Yeah, it's phase five is just, I mean, it, it's full of names. There's so many players in it. Um, definitely a couple guys who stand out to me. Got to start out with Sean Oakman, the former Baylor Bear defensive mm-hmm. end. The guy who yep. went through a lot these past few years with allegations. His name has been cleared on the most recent one. So he's in the XFL. Last year he was with West Virginia. I think he's going to be a beast in this league, I think. As long as he gets on the field, as long as everything goes according to plan, he'll be a very good player. Jake Serzna, drafted by the D.C. Defenders in the fifth round, was a guy who broke out in the CFL. He was a guy who was kind of under the radar and then wound up getting five sacks early. So he'll be exciting to see. Um, there's a, there's so many guys in this. We could talk all day about I know. These, um, open draft guys. Joe Callahan former Wesley quarterback. That's really exciting to see yep. him get a shot. B.J. Daniels also drafted there as well. So with Brandon Silver, B.J. Daniels, and Joe Callahan, it's a crowded QB room out in Seattle. Um, Austin Prohill, a guy who was kind of Ryan Switzer after Ryan Switzer left North Carolina, was North Carolina slot mm-hmm. guy. Seventh-round pick by the Bills. Um, he's now in this league as a fifth-round pick or fifth-phase pick by the Seattle Dragons, but yeah, I mean, we could – oh, Cody Ely, that's the name I'll finish off yep. with. Um, Cody Ely went undrafted in the first phase of the defensive lineman, which is kind of crazy to think about. But the Houston Roughnecks, they uh, they said on their Twitter that they struck oil when they found Cody Ely in that fifth phase, and I definitely agree. I think he's going to be a beast. Like Chris mentioned, he was one of the guys on that Super Bowl run for the Carolina Panthers when they fell just short. He was one of their most productive players, so – um, very excited uh-huh. about this, you know, Coney Ely going to Houston. Him being in the league, I'm surprised that he wasn't drafted in phase three. You would think that he would be a, yeah. a first-round pick, but for whatever reason, he wound up not getting drafted. Um, but, hey, that's a great find for Drew Jones. It is totally a great find. And we'll see how these all how all these roster moves play out and how the teams come together and who's going to be the starters because training camp is not too far away. I think training camp begins in December. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see how all these battles play out, who stands out, who, 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 who gets promoted to a starting job, who might get cut, because there's a lot of guys who didn't get picked up that are probably on teams' waiting list to see if this guy doesn't do what we need to do. The next guy up will come in and do the job for you, because that happens in all sports or whatever. Next man up, next guy up for an opportunity that another guy doesn't do. So we'll definitely see how that plays out. Before we wrap up here on this uh, on this episode of the Red Zone Report, we got to talk about the AFL guys, Harrison. Me and you were very de- disappointed that there was not a lot of AFL guys that were selected, even though you could make the case that these guys have better and more recent films than a lot of guys that were drafted in this draft. Yeah, I was disappointed to see some guys not get picked. I think Fabian should have definitely gotten picked, I think. Darius should have definitely gotten picked. And there's way more guys that I could keep going down the list. Um, Looking at those two, there is a lot of skill players in this draft. I mean, we go up and down a lot of these teams. They picked a lot of guys who, you know, are former D1 guys or former NFL guys. Um, 
it, it's tough. There, there's there's only so many spots, unfortunately, and it just it felt like the XFL was kind of going with the same approach. The AAF kind of said that they were going to have, um, you know, they mm-hmm. weren't really looking for FL players. They wanted a lot of D1, you know, former NFL guys, former college football stars. Right. It makes sense. I can right. understand it. I can respect it. Um, I'm really excited that Malachi got picked. I think Malachi definitely deserved to be in this league. I think it would have been For a sure. huge, huge disservice if he hadn't been picked. He's proven that he should be here. Joe Powell as well. But I think it is a disservice if Fabian wasn't picked and Darius Prince as well. I think it's definitely a, a surprising thing that those guys weren't picked. Roderick Henderson was a guy who was looking to get drafted as a defensive tackle. He didn't get picked. I'm surprised by that as well. Mm-hmm. I thought he would be in there in someone's trenches competing for a job in camp. Um, the selfish and positive thing to say about this is it's good that they're staying in the AFL. The AFL is, you know, happy to still have them. Fabian will have his spot in Columbus for sure. Uh, he does not have to worry oh, yeah. about that. Columbus Stories would love to have Fabian back. Philadelphia Soul would love to have Darius Prince back. Washington Valley would love to have Roger Henderson and Will Corbin back. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, those guys right. definitely deserve it. They definitely deserve to be in the AFL. It's a shame they're not in the XFL, but unfortunately these things do happen. One thing that I would say that me and you were both surprised about was that we did not hear Greg McGee's name called. It had seemed like... Yeah, I totally forgot yeah, about right? that. Yeah, right? It seemed like the way they were hyping it up. Badly as well, yeah. And uh, Zach Mettenberger didn't get called. Quarterback position was an interesting one. They added in a few names that weren't on the draft list, like... P.J. Walker, Cardell Jones, uh, those weren't names on the draft list. Those weren't names that we were expecting. No. I don't even think Matt McGoin was on there, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, not at all. So that kind of that kind of threw things out of whack with the quarterback position. <sighs> Once again, man, Greg McGee, he is just getting snubbed over these past few years. Yeah. Between the AFL last year with him not making Columbus and then not getting picked up by anyone, and now the XFL, it's a shame that no one has given Greg McGee he a shot, but I think once he gets his shot, wherever it is, whether it's outdoors or indoors, I think he'll play well. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a fellow left-handed quarterback and I'm biased. Uh, McGee, he's a good quarterback. <laughs> he proved it with the Philadelphia right. goal when he spot started for Dan Rodabaugh. So I was disappointed to see him not get drafted. Theron Thomas, former Portland Thunder quarterback and a guy who's played a yes. lot of indoor in his days, Another guy who didn't get drafted, and maybe we thought he would. So there was a few guys who got Mm -hmm. snubbed. Um, At the end of the day, it's kind of a positive for the AFL to keep those guys. Unfortunately, obviously, we want to see them move up. Um, Just quickly, some other guys who moved up. Aaron Tiller, a defensive end for the Albany Empire, was drafted. Um, We talked about Joe Powell and Malachi Jones. So there was representation. Uh, The team who went out and surprised me the most during this was the Massachusetts Pirates. I think me and you are going to need to really do a good deep dive on their roster next year because they wound up having like 10 guys go to the the XFL. Um, They wound up having Trey Jackson on their team. Ronell Hall was on their team. I mean, these are names. These are very good football players from college who wound up being in the Mm -hmm. NAL for the Massachusetts Pirates. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say right here on this podcast, I'm definitely going to devote some extra hours to watching Massachusetts Pirates film this year. Definitely going to check those guys out. Me and Joe Vaughn have already been talking about some other indoor football podcasts because we're just two dudes who love podcasts. But, yeah, man, Massachusetts Pirates wound up having like 10 guys get drafted in the XFL draft. So that was very surprising. We're going to definitely need to go do our research on that. They definitely have a pipeline of talent, which is just amazing to see because this is NAL is under the AFL and under the IFL. So to see the amount of talent that came out of there, they're doing they're doing something correct up there in uh, Worcester. So hey, we'll uh, definitely, like I said, we'll definitely see how things play out. Like I said, it's a shame that the other AFL guys that didn't that didn't get picked up, uh, didn't get drafted because we know the talent that they can bring to a team. But hey, the thing is, like you said. It, 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 it sucks because they don't get a chance to play outdoors. However, they do have the spot indoors where they're going to, they're still going to succeed and still be big time playmakers. And I got to expect if you're the AFL and you're going to have an expansion, uh, maybe one or two expansion teams, maybe this is now your opportunity to snag a Greg McGeehee if, if the opportunity presents himself. 
um, if the XFL doesn't come through. But, you know, uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Red Zone Report. We really appreciate everybody checking out uh, this episode, uh, checking out this episode, and also checking out our draft preview uh, stuff. Don't worry. We will be sticking along with the XFL. You know, maybe we'll come along and do some player interviews, things like that. Maybe we'll have some content on Social Sports Live. It's all still fresh ideas because this is a fresh league. It's almost like the AAF. It's a fresh league. You don't know what to do and what, how you're going to really play things along. But, hey, we'll definitely see what happens. Um, again, uh, we really appreciate it. If you missed this podcast, you can check it out on blogtalkradio.com, back at Total Sports Live, or check it out on Apple Podcasts, search Total Sports Live, TSL Podcast, hit the subscribe button, or you can check it out on Spotify, Total Sports Live, TSL Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jovan Tent. You can follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo. Uh, Harrison, I think that's it, right? I think we plugged everything and all that good stuff before we uh, wrap. I think that covers it. You know, stay tuned to both of our Twitters and Total Sports Live for more XFL coverage. We're both super excited about this league. Um, football junkies, for sure, would definitely be a good way to describe it. But we're going to keep tabs on this league. We're going to see what's going on. And we've got to do a hey, for uh, sure. the High Motion podcast soon. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Because we, we got, we got some thoughts talk about indoor football. <laughs> yes, we do. Got, we got some thoughts to talk about. But, hey, that will be coming in the near future. But everybody, thanks again for check for tuning in and checking us out. Uh, we will talk to you guys in the very near future. Everyone, have a go.